You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. And welcome back for part two of the Batuta Advocate's interview with Spanion. You're joined by myself, Clancy Overall, and of course, Errol Parker, editor-at-large of the Batuta Advocate. In this episode, we'll be talking to Spanion about jail, not necessarily boys' home. We're talking about the big house here and uh, everything that came, including his descent into, or ascent, depends which way you want to look at it, into organized crime before the big sting that landed him in jail for his longest stretch and his redemption from there. As Spanion would say, let's o gaze. So I want to kind of talk about that journey um, into, you know, um, I don't know what you'd call it, leaving juvie into, you know, up there with the big boys. You, you write, you know, your first kind of place you stayed, you actually didn't mind the food and the and the clothes they gave you and the, and the sneakers that they gave you as, you you know, your first trial at juvie. Juvie, juvie was yeah, good, yeah. at juvie. Yeah. And then where, where did you find, you went to a lot of different jails around yeah. New South Wales. Where was the worst? Ah, uh, to say the worst, everything is the best and worst in its own respect. Mm-hmm. But funny enough, probably the worst jail to be at is the jail I've done most of my time at, and that would be Bathurst. Yeah. It was seen as a punishment wing. Yeah. Jails are built in generations, and they're all built on blueprints of each other. So not every jail is an individual jail. Yeah. They're yeah. blueprinted off each other, and they're built like four at a time, you know? And the original outlay of jails was the, the old dungeon type jail and that was built in the 19th century and that was jails like Long Bay, mm-hmm. Maitland, Parramatta, Goulburn and Bathurst. Yeah. So if you go to those jails, those jails are like... They feel similar. Yeah, they're, they're almost blueprints of each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, like right, even yeah. from both high views, the cells are the same, everything. Yeah. So those jails are, it's a full dungeon. There is no showers in your cell. There is no windows that close. The windows are open, mm-hmm. it's barred. So if, if you're in jail, I've done, I've done like... Three, four winters in a row in, in Bathurst with There's, no window. So at the on yeah. your back wall, um, up say the top of your arm height, so you'd have to jump up to look out. Yeah, there is a window. It's a pretty big window. It is probably about a meter wide, probably about sixty centimeters high. And what stops you getting out is just three thick bars that yeah. make it impossible to fit anything through. But there is complete exposure. It gets proper cold in Bathurst, <laughs> doesn't cold. it? It gets so cold. It gets so Fuck cold that. that at least four months a year when you walk out in the morning because you get let out and say this is two with the daily routine of Bathurst to add it on top of and the summers are ridiculous to add this the daily routine about this is you get up at used to be like this you get up at 7am and you've got half an hour in the wing and that's your shower time that's the time you've got to clean your cell and do absolutely everything use a microwave if you can fit in line and then you're out at 7.30 into the yard, which is, it's a triangle shaped yard that has nothing but concrete, no grass, no dirt, no nothing. One corner is a toilet and one phone. One cor- corner is a chin-up bar and a dip bar. That's it. There's no seats in the yard. There's no nothing. nothing so green, no grass. No. no green, no grass, no nothing. So, and into that yard pours two different wings. Mm-hmm. Each wing, 64 people. So there's 120 people in this yard and you just find your place on the concrete. And you sit there and that's it. And you sit there and to line up for the phone, it's like um, maybe a two-hour thing. Yeah. So you put a knock-in. It's called a knock-in. Not all jails are like this. Yeah. This is why I'm explaining why Bathus is the worst. Um, you put a knock-in and you might be like 13th or 14th in line on the phone. 
There's a lot of arguments, people getting ahead. It's actually one of the highest tension points is lighting up for the phone in the whole jail system. It's probably more fights over the phone would only be second to drugs in jail. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's you're in that yard until 2.45 and then you've got 15 minutes in back in the wing to have a shower. There's four showers, 64 inmates. The hot water goes for about five minutes. So legit, there's four showers. This is crazy. All right, there's four shower heads. Each shower, it's a normal thing to cycle. So each shower would have four people under it at once. I'm not talking no big, powerful shower head. I'm talking like the the worst house you can rent, yeah. $240 Roadside a week. Roadside motel. Yes, that shower head, like it's small. And so there's four of you that rotate in each shower. So that, that way, 16 people can shower at once. All right. And you rotate like in whatever direction yeah. and you each get about like 10, 10 seconds under the water. And while you're rotating, so imagine like four positions and then bang, you're under and then you're left, back, right, under. And you're soaping up and cleaning yourself and then then bang, and you've got your 10 seconds rinse it off. And you do another round because you haven't washed properly. You do like three, four rounds and then like the next four are in. And that's, that's how bad it was. I've had showers, so many showers where... I didn't get back to the, the temperature because you said how cold it is yeah. there. When you come out four months a year into the yard at Bathurst, the taps don't work. Yeah. And there will be, in in the lowest point of the concrete where the water would gather, sheets of ice that you could like pick up, shatter on the floor and like stab someone with it. It's proper cold yeah. there. It's proper cold. You could ice skate in the mornings. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's your life at Bathurst. That, that, I've done years in a row like that. I want to talk about in that yard, you mentioned at the start, you know, you nationality people break off into that and your, your background and and you know you as the you know spaniard mm-hmm. with your mate the colombian but you spend a lot of time and and you can you read this in the book you spend a lot of time around the quarries yep. redfern woolamaloo yep. glebe i want you to explain to the listeners right now because it's a term i'd never heard of before yep. um and i have good reason because i've never been incarcerated in new south wales the term magpie Yep. Explain what that is, because that's an interesting archetype you've uh, introduced me to. Yeah, sweet. So in jail, the biggest ways to get protection is to be part of the one of, of the four biggest majorities, mm-hmm. yep. and that is the Aboriginals. The some people call them the Lebos, but it's more the Muslims, mm-hmm. all right? Because anyone can be part of it. So it's the Muslims, the Kuris, the Islanders, mm-hmm. and the Asians. Yep. If you want to be part of it, if you want to be sort of safe doesn't mean you're safe you don't walk around and do what you want I've seen 100 Lebos 100 Kuris 100 Islanders get chopped yeah. you know what I mean it doesn't mean anything it's, it comes and goes if you're part of it then you have to there's sometimes you might just be bashed for hanging around them yeah. so in some ways it's worse but anyway back to the point is that Magpie is people who are absolutely not Aboriginal in any sense mm. and I'm not talking people like who are queries. I'm not talking fair skin queries which there are plenty yeah. and yeah. there's like a lot of historical reasons that that yeah. exists I'm talking people that are legitimately white pretending they're Aboriginal that's what a magpie is yeah you said some people take it quite far with the tattoos and the oh so you, the, the best way you know you, you can tell by the effort someone puts in that they're trying to make up for something so yeah. you'll see a Kuri bloke will just be himself yeah then you see even a fair skin Kuri. Yeah. And just them, you can say the way they talk, the way they hold themselves. You know they're Aboriginal. Yeah. You know where they've grown up and this and that. When you see um, a white person attempting to be Aboriginal, they have every visual iconic thing that they can have. So they got a tattoo on their hand of the Aboriginal flag. They've made themselves out of dental floss and red, yellow, and black beads, a necklace. 
rings, bracelets, dreads, um, <laughs> like anklets that are all in the Aboriginal beads. So when you look, you can't mistake them. Yeah, they will. On, they will get a text down. They'll draw the Aboriginal flag on their shirt. That's the. And then you yeah. just know. You look at them like, bro, relax. How do you do? You get away with it? You know, growing up with all the quarries, sitting with the quarries. How did you get away with not being put on the magpie? Oh, because I never said I was Aboriginal. Yeah. Being a magpie is pretending you're yeah, Aboriginal. Yeah, yeah. Being a magpie isn't a white person that hangs around an Aboriginal. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. pretending you're mm, Aboriginal. Yeah. So that that's very two completely different things. So yeah. me, it was, it was just completely natural. All of my friends, except for the younger friends, the couple that I, I'm from, an area where it's all Aboriginals. Yeah. Everything I learned, my mannerisms, the slang that I use. Uh, we're all learnt off Kuris. Mm -hmm. All of my girlfriends throughout my teenage years, early 20s, were Aboriginal. My mm -hmm. first son is Aboriginal. Everything about me other than my blood yeah, yeah. was Aboriginal, yeah. right? And um, I'm saying that from the streets. Mm. So when I go to jail, I may look like a Muslim or like Lebanese, and a lot of times the the Lebos or Turks would come up to me mm. and thinking I'm like, hey, like thinking I'm one of them, and they'll hear two words come out of my mouth and they'd look at each other like, what the, why does he talk like that? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, like it was just back to like all jokes aside, it was it's completely natural. Yeah. Like I'm in jail with my best friends, yeah. I, my co-offenders that I get locked up with are Aboriginal. Yeah. So like I'm in jail with the boys from my area, the boys that are who are in my crew, YWB, yeah. my searching crew, from my, they're all Koori. Yeah. How can I not hang yeah, around yeah, Koori's? Yeah. And at the start, it was not like I was accepted as was a it, Koori. Was it testy? Like, was it, did it ever get a bit funny with all the other guys you didn't grow up with? So, around anyone from the city, no. Yeah. It was that, that's Spanian. Yeah. He's one I did, of I did us. read you had a bit of trouble yeah. in Grafton. Uh, in Kempsey. In Kempsey. So, one of the, in, during my first adult sentence, I went to Kempsey. Yeah. Then I'm with, because you've got to understand, even in the, the, the Aboriginal community in jail, not all Kuris are like best friends. Mm, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Families, like, yeah, that's yeah. It. like even amongst the islanders, yeah. like there's yeah. Samoans fight with the Tongans, even amongst yeah. we all know like the Lebos, they all kill each other all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it doesn't mean just because you're yeah. you're Kuri that just like every Kuri's gonna love you or yeah. be hanging yeah, around yeah. Kuris. So not only am I actually not Aboriginal, yeah. Yeah. but I'm like one of seen as one of the red fern wooloe boys, yeah. like a Kuri boys, you know what I mean? But then I'm with in jail with all the Kempsey Kuris yeah. from the mission up there. And <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, man, he's from Red. But anyway, having said that, I was still accepted like pretty well. Like the young lads from all the rural areas, so the young lads from the missions at like Dubbo and, and Kempsey and all yeah. the famous areas out Maury. there. And Moree and stuff. Yeah. Um, they were all like, as soon as they knew, they were, where are you from, bro? I said, Wollo, Redfern. Okay, come on, bro, let's go. Like yeah. I'm with them. Yeah. But what you're referring to is... Um, the elders are a bit different, yeah. right? The elders for their own experiences and yeah. rightfully so, maybe, maybe not. They see people of any other race yeah. attempting to have anything to do more with them than what already happened to them yeah. as just, it's just the hatred, computer yeah, yeah, hatred. Yeah. Like there, there would be like, so one day I remember like the elders, one of the elders, I think he was from, it was in Kempsey Jail, but I actually think the elder, the uncle we call him, I think he was from... Um, Will Kenya. Mm. Yeah. Way, way out way back. Out, These yeah. people live in yeah. the red dirt. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And he looked at, like he's seen the young brothers, mm. which is what the careers are called, the brothers. So the uncle's seen the young brothers sitting with someone that looks like a Lebo, mm. right? I look like a Lebo or, or a Turk or something like that. And he's walked up. He's like, what's... And you got to understand at, the, at this time too, so this is 2003 or four. this is very racial 
yeah, um, yeah, system. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's not. Now no one cares. Now in jail, we think it's like jail gangs. Yeah, yeah. It's not a race thing anymore. It's like, I joined this gang before yeah. it was your Nasho. And you're talking, say, back then, um, the, the, the Lebos and the Kuris were fighting. Yeah. He walked up, he seen a Lebo-looking person sitting with the young brothers. Yeah. And he goes, what are you seeing with this cunt? Yeah. This white cunt, like that. And they're like, Unk, he's one of the boys. He's from Redfern. No, fuck this white land grabbing cunt. Get this putrid cunt away from us. Like, that's how they said it to him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 18 years old in Kempsey, a jail where it's just yeah. full Kuris. One of the elders who I later found out is a violent person in jail. He's like telling them, fuck this, can put me on the thing. So they just like, if he said to them, you just need to bash him, they yeah. would have done it. But yeah. he didn't say that. He just said, why are you hanging around this putrid land grabbing white, whatever he put yeah. me on, everything under the sun. And so they just put their head down and like, I put my head down. He walked off, swearing at himself. And then they all looked at each other and they go, don't worry about him. He's just an angry cunt. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and I was like, that was like the, the legitimately the first time that I was ever like scared in jail. Yeah. yeah. Like scared something was going to happen to yeah, me. Like I thought that. something yeah. was going to happen to me just for my race. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was the only experience I ever had like that. Yeah. It, it was only a sentence or two. By the time I was 20, 21 years old, I'd spent that entire time in jail too. Yeah, so yeah. like 18, 19, 20, 21, 20, the whole time's in jail. Uh, by the time I was 21, I was a Koori. Yeah. Like I was on an honorary Koori. Like yeah. I was, a, yeah, yeah. There would even be like in, in the last sentence I was in. Like, oh, we I, even see it on your podcast, all your guests, all your mates that you grew up with. And, yeah, and, yeah. yeah no, that and was... it could come to my later years of jail that like I would go to a yard and I would be one of them. Mm. I'm not saying I'm Koori. No mm. one get it wrong to say I'm pretending I'm Koori, but that's my crew. Yeah. I would be one of the main boys of the Kuris. Yeah, yeah. Like I would have younger brothers that are looking up to me. Yeah. Like I'm there, the older Koori. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know what I mean? And like the yeah. old, other Lebos would, if there was an issue with Kuris, would or Islanders or something, would come and say something to me. Yeah, right. Like, bro, what's going on with that young Koori, bro? Tell him yeah. something because he's talking shit to that island you know and i'd say something but so yeah. it got that but i was completely accepted except for that one time yeah yeah except for yeah. That, in, in a particularly <laughs> yeah. hairy kind of situation yeah when your last release was 2017 wasn't it 2017 yeah, yeah 2017 and in your book it reads like you, you you're finding different mindsets as you go you get off the gear mm-hmm. you know that's the first thing you get off the gear, you're still involved in crime. Yep. And then, and in fact, in that point, when you're off the gear, it becomes a little less pointless and street, like feed myself, it becomes a bit more organized. Yeah, and it becomes you, worse. Yeah, it becomes worse and yeah. bigger sentences. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the cross kind of comes, plays a big, bigger role in your life. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us in that, that parcel, you know, of time in your life where you're off the gear, you're not, you know, there's nothing. Obviously, after all that incarceration and yep. all that time in, you know, certain suburbs and, you pick up addictions and you were, you know, you were using and yep. it's quite honest about it in your book. But then you were clean and all of a sudden you got cash mm-hmm. and, and lots of it and you've, you know the area well enough to run a proper operation. Yep. What were you doing? What was what was happening? How much money were you making? Can you tell us? Oh, so the time you're talking about is when I got out in 2011. Mm-hmm. At, yeah. Up until that point, that was the longest time I spent out of jail in my life. Mm-hmm. I spent 10 months out of jail. And I'd never done that before. I think my previous record before that was four months. Right. So I'd spent 10 months out of, out of that time. And I was on a complete mission to uh, live to the extreme, the other side of crime, mm-hmm. the, the other side of crime. So like being young, I went from a violent, let's have fun criminal. Mm. Bash anyone, stab anyone, steal everything, get drunk, smash cars. Mm. Then it went to drug addiction. It was like, 
live in the shadows, steal everything, use drugs and hang out and just rubbish, like sad yeah. crime, right? That was where a lot of my sneaky crimes come into it. In a way, it was good, right? In a way, it was good, like being a heroin addict definitely makes you less violent. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it's good. It was like, it was like I was if I had no other choice but to be a criminal in the street, which was the mindset and was going to happen regardless, heroin was like the damper on that. You know yeah. what I mean? So it, sa it probably saved me a lot from yeah. like killing people and stuff yeah. like that. You know what I mean? But anyway, after that, I'd lived like that heroin addict. So you, you know, in, in hindsight, it wasn't actually very long because now when I think of the boys I grew up with who are nearly all on heroin till yeah. today, yeah. they've been on heroin for 20-something years. Yeah. So I got on heroin when I was a teenager and jumped off when I was 20. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. like, and to be honest with them, but I was injecting as a teenager, ejecting a lot. Yeah. When in the small pockets, in that three, four year period where I was on the gear in the streets, I was probably only on in the streets, like I said, two months here, three months here. So to be completely honest, if you look back over a four year period, probably eight of those months, I was actually in the streets a heroin addict. Yeah. Yeah. But I did do it to the extreme. Back to the point, I wanted to live to the other side. Like I was always stealing everything and selling it to someone and someone's taking my money and taking my goods and this and that. And, you know, and I just made it a mission that I'm going to do everything that you would um, visualize a successful criminal to do. Uh, like, you know, like a cool criminal, mm. muscly and tattoos and nice cars and jewelry. So mm. that was my mission. And I achieved that very well. So I got out 2011 with straight away the mission from the day I got out and I started organizing it that day was to sell heroin mm -hmm. and um, I was to be that person. So your mind, your mind just changed. You've got all this heroin around you. You have no thoughts of doing it. No, not at all. So I yep. got off heroin in 2007, mm -hmm. all right? So four years. I'd already been off yeah, heroin right. for four years at yeah. this point. But the first time I got out, so I got off 2007. I got out in 2008 and had the intentions of becoming a drug dealer now. Yeah. But the day I got out, I stabbed someone, yeah. all right? So that put that on hold for three years. Yeah. So now I had to do another yeah. three years. I was only out for six days, I think. Yeah. Stabbed someone, then I was hiding under people's beds for six days and got done. Anyway, so that was my holiday out. Three years later, I got out round two. And I said to myself, like, there can't be any more stabbings because I forgot that when you're not on the heroin, you're a lot more, well, not every... <laughs> When I'm not on the heroin, I have it's a lot more likely to stab someone. Yeah. So when I got out last time on the gear, I'm thinking I'm gonna go shoot up gear this and that. No one's getting stabbed. Yeah. But now like I'm more healthy, that's it, I'm gonna take over the streets. The first person that said someone got stabbed in the neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so I had to remember next time it's like, all right, now use all that energy in a good way. Mm. So I, I did. So I said to myself, no violence. I got out, started selling the gear very successfully. It took me about a four month period to build it up from where I wouldn't sell a single point a night. I wouldn't make $50 to the point where it was 25, 26, 27 grand getting pulled in every 24 hours with me not lifting, me not, not only I had, uh, had a numerous people like employed for me. Yeah. Not only wouldn't I see drugs, I wouldn't answer a call. I wouldn't see a single customer. I didn't, I even had somebody to count and move my money for me. Yeah, right. So, like, I was living a life that was completely absent to my drug run by the end of it. And it sounds like a lot of money. What, what were you driving? What were you driving? Oh, nothing. I didn't have a license. I didn't even have an ID. I owned three cars. Um, I had, <laughs> you couldn't uh, drive them. Yeah, no, no, I couldn't drive them. I had two motorbikes as well. I had a Ducati, I had a GSXR, I had a yeah, yeah. Rexy. 
Commodore. And my favorite car that I bought was uh, Typhoon, FPV yep, yep, yeah, Typhoon, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a turbo type. It was like a race car. I yeah. bought it off some bun, had tuned it up. I don't know nothing about cars. He was excited. He got, I went there. <laughs> I had like 52 grand in a garbage bag. And I went to like old old Wentworthville the suburb was called yeah, yeah. and he's like it was like some Italian bloke and I was like his baby and he's going I've done this I've done that he's showing I go I'm like I'm just standing there listening and I was like I don't care bro and it's like here do you want the money he goes what's that and I said that's the car because you can paint me like that like I said bro I don't want to hear it just, can I have the car or not in a plastic bag yeah in a plastic yeah. bag and then so it's my like, missus at the time where's this to, come from yeah man? my missus at the time had to drive it back because I wasn't taking no risks yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. making all this money with my criminal record being on parole at the same time if I got done for drive while unlicensed yeah. I'm going back to jail for two years yeah, I yeah. will not drive yeah, there's no that. way imagine having so a so you just owned it to, to own it really? yeah yeah just because that was part of it yeah, 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 like yeah. how can I achieve what I wanted to achieve without having nice cars yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and so, it's also getting a lot of hot cash off your hands yep, too yep, I guess true, yeah. true. Yep. And what, so yeah. what are you doing in the day you said you don't even have to pick up a finger at this yep. point you're not even counting money you're just the, the guy whose idea and, and you're just, well, you mean, obviously keeping an eye on it but um, what are you doing during the day oh, so towards I'll say towards the end when it was at its highest point I would wake up get a feed because this is like the in the movie with the montages happening where they're actually looking at you and the cops are getting close yeah 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 like so my, House my, of the Rising Sun's playing and that's it yeah, yeah. my daily routine would be wake up get a feed I was living at Bondi Junction this time yeah, yeah. I moved from the cross because it just got too out of control get a feed go to Anytime Fitness I would most days uh, contribute to my tattoos yep. so I'd go contribute to my tattoos most days nearly every day I was in there I can't I got a, a so painful for me I do like 30 minute bursts mm-hmm. like legit after 30 minutes I'm crying so we'll do a few lines <laughs> and then we'll come back tomorrow <laughs> but so I built a sleeve over like 45 sessions yeah. Um, but yeah and then I would um, eat summer again I'll spend a lot of time in what we will call massage parlors, yeah. eating the most expensive food I can find, uh, shopping all the time. I had an obsession with jewelry and diamonds. I had a lot of, I used to wear a lot of chains and jewelry was a big thing to yeah. me. At one time, say at that time, I was walking around with a Britling Montbrilliant Navitimer that I had diamonds put custom into. I had like a almost 30 grand diamond bracelet i had four chains on one of them was custom made and it hung down to my nuts <laughs> it was 126 or 132 something like that forgive me this is 10 years ago if you unclip it, it was 130 roughly 130 centimeters long yeah so when i clipped it it hung to my nuts it was all 18 karat white gold um, diamonds in my face i had diamonds put how much in is it worth the chain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was 16 grand on desire, 16 grand on payment, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. 32 nice. grand that chain. And I had a couple other expensive yeah, yeah, yeah. chains on. I had diamonds, for example, I had diamonds put into one of my Gant jackets. <laughs> yeah, so I had a collar, it had like yeah, yeah. diamonds in it, like the disco era. Yeah, yeah. Real diamonds, but like proper <laughs> diamonds, yeah. So uh, <laughs> after your whole life to this day, what inspired you to get on the social media after all of this? Straight out, it, this is this is something that just come about. Like to be honest, so exa- so, so that that era we're talking about of the the glory days, Bondi yep. Junction, that ends with um, a proper sting. Oh, so yeah, there's a proper sting, yeah. a task force. Yeah, I was under investigation for I think it was like thirty days. 
stacks of phone records, photos of me everywhere. Yeah. Well and truly done. Yeah. Well and truly done. Yeah. We weren't exactly secret. I felt like people asked me why was I, I would speak on the phone. Yeah. It was no codes. I just didn't care. And I can understand how people from normal people, civilians who jail's a scary thing. It's like everything under the sun to not get caught. Don't mm. talk on the phone. Give you a yeah. wink and touch your nose. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. For me, like, I'm used to like, jumping people's counters and yeah. you know what I mean kicking people's windows in and like yeah. so to talk on a phone is yeah. nothing I'm not talking in code yeah. take me to jail that's my but home but you do have a code the Woolo boys did have a code oh, we, we, we have a code can, but can you give us a little yeah. sample of that lad yeah and I just basically said this is my code and we call it Stracky yeah yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. um you weren't even using that on the phone. No, 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 I wasn't even using that. It couldn't be bothered. Like you got to understand. I know it's 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 like it is stupid mm. in hindsight, but it just goes to show that the mentality that jail wasn't a thing to me. Yeah. It wasn't a thing. Like that's my home. I was out for ten months at that time, yeah. and I was like, how am I even out? Like, yeah. what am I doing out here? Yeah. Like I'm sick. Institutionalized. You yeah, I'm sick. Maybe I'm yeah. sick of these massage parlors. Yeah, yeah. I got enough tattoos. Like, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. up at that point, so. That was when I was 25, 26 or something. I had never, until this day, worked a single job. Yeah. I had never had ID, no birth certificate. I've lived my whole life like this. Yeah. That's why you say, were well, you driving them? I didn't even have a birth certificate, let alone ID to go and sit for a test. Like, yeah. I didn't exist in the real world. No bank account, nothing. So I'm just there with all this illegal money. Everyone's watching me. And it's just like, bro, what am I doing? The only thing that the only idea you have is the phone in your pocket, really. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's it. That's exactly right. And the number they gave you when you were 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and the, the new one when I was 18. Yeah, when I first <laughs> yeah, went yeah. to jail. Yeah. And so from there, you have another mind shift. You, yeah. You're, you're clean. You've lived that life, the lavish yep. life. And then all of a sudden, you kind of become this... Uh, what was the mind shift? We, we end up now, you're out of jail, you've released some music, you've got a huge following, countercultural icon I've yep. heard you described as. T. Storyteller, and you're telling of a, of a life that you know not many of us have heard about, certainly today. What was the shift there? What was the shift in your mind to just go, okay, well, I'm not going to stab anyone when I get out, yep. but I'm also not going to sell any drugs. All right, so... When I got locked up the last time, mm. 2012, my missus at the time was pregnant. So yep. my first son, he was born while I was in jail. It was mm -hmm. very different. I'm a dad. Missed out on five years of my son's life. Got out when he's five years old. I don't know, man. Like during that last sentence, during that last five years, which is at, that's the longest. I've done 13 years all up. Mm -hmm. Five is the longest I've done at one time. It just all become jail become really, jail become hell. Mm. Jail really become hell, and I don't know why. Mm. I was jail. Mm. Jail, I was like furniture in jail. Like, jail was my home. And it become the first, I come in sweet tooth after three years into the fourth year. It's like I couldn't bear it. Mm. I started looking at everyone in jail as just like, just bad job kicks. Like, yeah. I didn't want a bar of it. Yeah. I was sick of everything they had to say. Yeah. I was sick of everything they do. I was sick of just everything. And I just wanted a different life. And it's weird. Jail started to like really get to my heart yeah. and really started to scare me, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in a way where not in like something's going to happen to me in a way where it's like I'm scared of being in a cell. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's, it maybe like how normal people are. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, like how I envision going to any of those jails you yeah, just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so there was that. And then like I really, 
a re- I don't know, something happened in my soul that can't, I can't explain. And, and, you know, like I had religious experiences mm. that are really hard to put into words and I never really attempt to. And people say, like, what do you mean? Like, mm. it's like, like I, I know God, like, you know, and they're mm. like, what do you mean you know God? Explain. What does he sound like? I was like, but you, you can't say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't say it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just like I went from being a because I'm very, very, very. I say this about myself. I'm a very smart person. I don't know how, but like I had this ability because I was a raging, angry atheist, and I had this ability to. I swear, if you leave me alone for ten minutes, and I will talk you out of your God mm. with facts, mm. hard facts, and mm. I had the answer to everything. I could talk a Muslim out of Islam. I could talk a Christian out of Christianity, and it's like, bro, and I made perfect sense. And they, I've been tears to people's eyes, you know. And so I, I went from that to to experiencing God. Yep. You know what I mean? And and seeing the truth. Mm. And after that, it was just like. It softened me a lot, yeah, yeah, you know what right. I mean? It softened me a lot, and it made me see another person that I can become. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And having said that, that doesn't mean that- You're not going every Sunday, you know? No, no, no. no, no. I've no. never been to- This is yeah, yeah. the weird thing, so- Yeah, it's just your yeah. own experience. Yeah, it's yeah. the weird. So, like, I'm religious, and I love and, and follow Jesus, mm-hmm. but I don't call myself a Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, it sounds weird, but whatever. Who cares? Yeah. That's the end of that story. But um, we're getting out- I had I was completely confused if what I'm going to do in the world. Mm. I have no work experience, no, um, just not. I don't have no life. Yeah, like yeah. I got no yeah, world yeah, experience. Yeah, Forget yeah. work experience. I don't yeah. even know what people do outside. Yeah. And I met someone because I've been rapping in jail. Yeah. All right. I've been rapping in jail and boys' homes for a good fifteen years. Right. Mm-hmm. Back when it wasn't cool to rap in jail, mm. and I'd met someone along the way who was part of this new up and coming emerging. Aussie rap scene outside mm-hmm. and he'd been in he come in jail once with me at Long Bay his name's Spinner he's another rapper and when I got out he remembered me and he, he remembered how good I rapped and he got in touch with me and I was seeing his like message request on Facebook mm-hmm. and I was like oh this that, that idiot talking yeah. about rap what the, mm-hmm. you know and I, I agreed to meet him only because like I had nothing else to do and he's full out. He showed me the whole rundown of social media. I didn't know what Instagram was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. Knew nothing about building a YouTube channel or anything like that. Described to me that uh, there's this big scene and everyone's like real interested. It's up and coming and it's all based around Instagram. Instagram is the heart of all of this culture. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you, you should make an Instagram app. Uh, an Instagram account and make a couple songs and put them on there and put them on YouTube. You you'll be famous, you know. Like you ain't be famous, but he said people will love it. Yeah, you get a following. That's it. Just went from that. Yep. It wasn't my intention. Yep. I done what he said. I done it. Yeah. And um, it just grew and grew and grew and. And then grew. all of a sudden you're rapping. All of a sudden you're talking. All of a sudden you're telling these stories. Oh, the first time I talked was that's when like the first time I spoke about anything, people went nuts. You spoke your stacky stucky. Oh, Stracky. Stracky, yeah. you yeah, spoke yeah. that. That was, I mean, yeah, yeah. I remember that no, gone that, that was half into it, though. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. wasn't even at the start. I, I, I spoke at the start. I expressed my opinion on something. I don't remember what it was. And I just be completely myself. Yeah. I do not even know what I'm going to say before. Mm. I think I should just turn on this. This is just 100% how mm. I've always talked mm. and how everyone I know talks. But I talked and people were like mesmerized by the way I talked. Mm the way I held myself, the things I say, and I just noticed that I'm this real interesting person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like apparently I'm just this real interesting person. Mm. So I started talking more. 
and that's it. And you start telling stories. And yeah, you start, they, they're telling and me, they we, tell us about this. And, and you like, become the face of this whole thing that a lot of people from, you know, Sydney and, and other cities now are struggling to explain when they've mm. got the kids speaking pig Latin and they've got the kids wearing a certain dress, you know, yeah. and you've kind of articulated that, I guess, as well. You know, yeah, you yeah, kind of yeah. become a... Uh, a cultural kind of touch point for Eshays, Adlays, yeah. you know, like that. Well, that that element of uh, of of inner city living or city living, yep. and then all of a sudden we realise, actually, this guy's written a book, yep. and and, you've, and as we've discussed a lot today, we've had a hell of an interview, yeah. but but there's plenty more stories, you know what I mean? Yeah, that we yeah, we didn't yeah, get definitely. near today. I mean, no, barely even scratched the surface of what's in the book. Uh, we barely yeah, even yeah, scratched yeah. the surface of the Sydney siege. You should get in the book. Yeah. Just yeah. figure out what it went down that, yeah. that sleepy afternoon in Dover Heights. <laughs> yeah. Fun, was fun. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us today, Spanny. It's um, it's a, it's great to meet you, and um, and it's a great read. So um, to the listeners out there on the tractor, whether you're in the boat, in the car, get yourself a copy. Get the missus one too.